Today is the start of a new series. We are calling this series, I really like the title, by the way, um, The Awesome Wonder of Christmas. I, I hope that all the messages can kind of live up to the title. Um, but the really big idea is that we're looking at the Christmas story, but maybe not in the way that we have in times before. We're not looking at the nativity characters. For the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the Christmas story, but one character in particular. We're asking, what does the Christmas story reveal to us about God? What does it reveal to us about who He is, what He's like? Now, I'm convinced that if we take a really good look at the Christmas story, really ponder it, it's going to do something for us that maybe we haven't done for a long time, which is to be filled with awesome wonder. It's just going to make us go, wow. Okay, now I'm hoping that we're in the right place with the right heart to go wow today, but it's going to take God's help. But So I'm going to pray, but before I do that, let me just ask you, like, what is the importance of being in awe and wonder of God? Like, how important is that? Now, that's a real question, right? Because I don't know about you, but last week was really busy. And every day I'm like, I got to do this, got to do that. You know, Thursday, got to make a turkey. Okay, I didn't reanimate the turkey, but I, I, I had to encourage her, you know? Um, but it was just so busy that I winded up feeling like, I got to work on this message about awe and wonder, but I don't have time to awe and wonder. So, um, I mean, who's got time for that? And, and so I'm, I'm wondering how important you think it is for a person to awe and wonder. All right, now let me just ask you, on, on a level of one to ten, um, Lauren, how, how important is awe and wonder, right? Just give me a number. Okay, how many of you agree that it's that important? Like, awing and wondering God is that important. Okay, some of you, but not all of you. Um, <clears throat> if you look in the book of Acts, chapter 2, very famous passage about the early church. I mean, this is the church's origin story, okay? So we model ourselves after this church. Normally, when we remember the early church, Acts chapter 2, there's a home group who's actually going through the book of Acts. What we remember from this passage is all the cool things the church did. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were breaking bread all the time. And they were selling everything they had so that they could share it with the rest of the people in the church. Pretty radical. Now, we focused on those things. But there's one thing in this passage that often gets overlooked. It's not just what they did. It's how they did it. We often overlook that, how they did it. And the passage says, this is Acts chapter 2, that awe came upon every soul. Awe. In other words, everything they did was from this heart of being in awe and wonder of God. Now, how important was that? Now, I believe that awe and wonder is like the secret sauce 
that it actually makes the, the whole Christian life, that actually make, brings church all together. Imagine the early church doing stuff without awe and wonder of God. I mean, imagine them. Oh, we got to go to Bible study. And then we got to go and sell our house and give it to the church. You know, that, that's like, that, 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 is, that is not, I mean, that would just be like drudgery. All the things they did, they did because they were inspired. They were lost in the wonder of their amazing God. And so the most natural thing to do was all the things they did. How important is it to be in awe and wonder of God? It's like if you get one thing, get this. All the else will follow. You miss this and your life and doing a bunch of stuff will be drudgery and it will be joyless, and it will be busy work. I think maybe that's why theologians say that the worship of God is the highest form of human activity. To be lost in wonder of God is a human being at their very best. So, I want you to remember this in the middle of this busy season of Christmas. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're tempted, the first thing to do is just get busy, just start getting, doing stuff. I want you to remember that you are not a human doing. You are a human being. I did not make that up, even though it's really snappy. You are not a human doing. You are a... Okay, and a human being means your first role is just to be a son, a daughter of the living God who stands in awe and wonder of your God. That's your first and primary role. And when you have that every day, then let the rest of this stuff just naturally come, okay? So same thing this Christmas season. We want to make time to experience the awe and wonder of God. You're here this morning. You're making that investment. And so... That's why I want us to pray. <laughs> I want to say some things, and I think if we really think about them, it's going to cause us to awe and wonder, but I need some help. So could you stand up? And I'm just going to pray for us and ask God to bless our time. Um, Father God, we, we as a people, we really value busyness and just getting busy and productivity and, and, and making stuff that's tangible. But now you're calling, causing us just to step back and to ponder and to think about you. Father, uh, we know that you are full of wonder. You're so amazing. Please forgive us that so often we don't see it. Help us in this moment and help us during this season to be in wonder of your grace, to be in wonder of your incarnation. We need your help for this, and I need help right now. I mean, you're amazing, and our hearts can be really dull, so please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what is in the Christmas story that is full of awe and wonder? Well, you don't have to go too far to see it. Um, let me, uh, let me, let me, let me step, take a step back. J.I. Packer, how many of you guys have read the book Knowing God? You've read the book Knowing God? You should read that book. It's an amazing book. I'm going to give you a very quick, you know, first two pages of chapter five. Um, J.I. Packer, in this book Knowing God, talks about how many people 
can find Christian doctrine hard to understand. Hard to believe, even. Okay? And so he's walking through some of these doctrines, like the atonement. Like, if you're a Christian, you believe that the sacrifice of Jesus meant forgiveness for billions and billions of people. Like, how does one mean freedom for billions? How does that work? And did someone explain the science to me of how that works? Right? And then he goes on, you know, like there's the resurrection. Scientifically, how did that happen? There's the virgin birth. How about all the miracles that Jesus did? That Jesus walked on water. Like, how does that happen? Okay, now get this. He, he writes this. But in fact, the real difficulty does not lie here at all. It lies not in the Good Friday message of atonement, nor in the Easter message of resurrection, but in the Christmas message of incarnation. The really staggering Christian claim is that Jesus of Nazareth was God made man. So Packer is like, of all the doctrines in the Bible, the most staggering one is the Christmas story. It's the incarnation. It's the story of God becoming a human being. Now, <clears throat> to be clear, it wasn't Jesus becoming 50% human, 50% God. It was Jesus fully God, also becoming fully human. Someone put it like this, remaining what he was, he became what he was not. Remaining what he was, he became what he was not. Remaining God, he became a human being. All right, now that's a very big idea. If we're going to unpack this the right way, we need to start at another starting point, which is not the incarnation, but the greatness of God. Now, we're going to start with the greatness of God, and then we'll go to the incarnation, and I think you'll see why, but we need to start with the greatness of God. How, how many of you guys have ever been to Yosemite? Okay, most of you have been to Yosemite. The, other, the others of you really need to go. It is amazing. It is beautiful. Um, so I went probably like second time when I was a youth pastor, and the youth brought me up to Half Dome. I barely made it up, and then they told me, and now you have to walk back down. And then we walked back down, we celebrated with ice cream, and then they all fit in a bear box, and I took a picture. We put nine of them in the bear box. Now, for those of you who have been to Yosemite, you know Curry Village. I think they call it something else right now. I don't know what they call it. But across from Curry Village is a meadow. And in this meadow, there's a dock that cuts right through the meadow, and it's a wooden dock. Now, when I came to Yosemite, the youth were like, hey, we need to sneak out of camp, but it's okay because I was the youth pastor, so it wasn't really sneaking, but we all left camp, and we need to go to this dock at night, and you, wait, you'll see what I'm talking about, and so we did that. It was nighttime, pitch dark, we took our flashlights, we went for a night hike, we went to Curry Village, across from Curry Village was the meadow, we went to the meadow, we walked on the dock, and we all laid down. And then, you know, like, they're all, you know, shining their flashlights, hey, turn off the light, turn off the light. We turned off the light and we looked up into the sky. It was like the first time I saw it. It was always there. It was like, like all the stars came out. It was dazzling beautiful. All of them, this, this heavenly body. It was just like, oh, just beholding all the stars. And I remember having one of those moments like, 
who made all these? You know, like I know who made them, but how much power do you have to have to make these in your spare time? I just like my, my breath was taken away. Isaiah 40, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Do you see the stars? Can you in your mind's eye see the one who created the stars? He is the galaxy maker. We need to start there before we go to the incarnation. That's where we start. Okay. We need to see God who created the galaxies, who brought them out by name, who called them out by name. Now, with that firmly in mind, you guys are in your seminary, you're looking at the stars with me. Let's go back to the incarnation. Chapter 1 of Matthew tells us that Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, was thinking of quietly divorcing her. She was pregnant. It wasn't his child. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> the angel tells Joseph that the human life growing inside Mary has not come from any human being but from God. Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, so the real Father is God. Verse 21, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means three words. Say it with me. God with us. So now the identity of Jesus is even more clear, even more direct than it was before. Uh, Matthew quotes from Isaiah who says that a virgin will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, for centuries, Jewish leaders and scholars, they knew this prophecy, but they always took it figuratively. It was always figurative, like, one day there will come a leader, and he will be so great that the things that he will say, the things that he will do, will be so God-breathed that it will be like God is with you. Never in their wildest dreams did they take this literally? Now just imagine, just imagine what's going on here. Matthew is saying that this promise is greater than anyone ever imagined. Greater than anyone ever imagined. The Son called God with us is actually, literally, God coming down from heaven to be with you in human form, in the flesh. Now, that is a, a, that's a crazy idea that the one who created the stars and the galaxies was going to put himself inside a human body. Now, I, I realize that most of you have been to church and you've been around during Christmas, and so you've heard this story before. 
But I, I want you just for a moment just to look at this story with fresh eyes. Like, what if you were hearing this for the very first time? Or I just want you to imagine, let's say you're explaining it to your parents, and your parents have never heard this story before. Like, how would you explain the story, okay? How do you, you start with like, okay, let's start with how great God is. God is the one who created the galaxies, who created the stars. He's, he's bigger than the universe. And on Christmas, the Christmas story is that God, this great, amazing, uncreated one, became a little baby. No, but it's more than that. It's more than that. Not only did the God who created the galaxies become a little baby, but he became a little baby born in a barn. And not only did the God who created the galaxies become a little baby born in a barn, but he was put inside, in this barn, inside uh, an animal feeding trough. You know what we call that? It's called a manger. Now, I didn't have a manger lying around at home, but I had something that looked like it or maybe felt like it. It, it's, it's, it was an Amazon box. And so if you look right here in the middle of the room, I have an Amazon box. Now, I want you to imagine that you know what you know, and you're going back in time, okay? And you want to be in the barn, and you're there in the barn, and Mary has given birth, and put baby Jesus inside the box. What was that like? Can you imagine being there in the room? Now, I, I just want you to play this out. I want you to imagine that God, in a sense, God who created the universe, is in a box, in a barn, and you're right there. Which means that if, if God is a baby in a box, you could actually walk up to this box. You could look into this box. Now, what I'm trying to demonstrate is like, if you were there, you could actually walk up and look at God in his eyes, face to face. I mean, God is gurgling. God is making noises. God is like kind of wriggling around. And then just imagine what you could do. You could bend down, bend over, and you can actually pick up. And you would like hold this baby. Can you imagine that? Like you're like the one who created the universe, who created the galaxies, is here in my arms and is looking right up at me. I mean, how, how amazing is that? How staggering is that? I mean, this has to be the biggest, are you kidding me, really? The incarnation. Woo! I mean, and there's more implications, like, that would mean that the baby would need to be fed. That would mean that the baby would need to be changed. That's kind of weird. But it's all part of it, right? Like, what are we doing during Christmas? Don't we just want to just step back and just think about these things and ponder these things and go, Wow, that is amazing. That is amazing. God would put himself inside a baby, inside a box. Whew. Now, I, I think it does lead us to awe, and it leads us to wonder, but it also leads us to question. And maybe one of the first questions that comes to mind is, well, why? 
Why would God do that? Why would the second person of the Trinity reduce himself to a human being? Why, why would he do that? Why would God become a human being? Now, I, I've said this question before. Um, I don't know how, how long it's been since you guys have taken the SAT, but I think it's kind of a fun little question, which is, which is this. Like, what is the equivalent of God becoming a man? if it were you or me. So the question is, God becoming a man is the equivalent of one of us becoming a what? Now what I'd like you to do, because this is a very fun exercise, turn to someone next to you and give them your best response, okay? God becoming a human being would be the equivalent of one of you or me becoming a what? Turn to someone, give them your best answer, go. Okay, and what would the other person say? What would the other person say? <laughs> All right, let's do a little bit of SAT practice. Okay, God becoming a human being, the second person of the Trinity becoming a baby, is the equivalent of you or me becoming a what? Someone shout out uh, an answer. Okay. Becoming an atom. How do you guys like that one? Right concept. Very, very big to very, very small, right? Uh, very, I'm not very, very big, but comparatively, very, very small. Very good. Okay, someone else. A cockroach. Okay. Something very glorious or something very disgusting, you know? <laughs> there's, there's, there's levels of that. Okay, good, good. Something very, very holy to something that we kind of consider not very, not very pure, okay? Although Jesus was sinless. Okay, give me another one. How about a young person? Kainoa, anyone? Anyone? The equivalent would be an ant. Okay, that's really good too. Uh, kind of there with the cockroach, and small. Um, the, the only thing is, I would not say that, uh, I know there's a more technical way of saying this, it's one living thing becoming a smaller living thing. It's like a different entity altogether. It would be like a living thing becoming a non-living thing. So I would probably, like, mine would be like a piece of lint. Okay, I don't know if you like that one. Maybe it's like smaller than that, you know, but it's non-living, right? Okay, so you get the idea. Now, now here's the thing. Let's just work with like a cockroach, Okay. Let's just work with a cockroach. Now, I, I know that when I was born, my mom had wonderful dreams for me. My parents, they wanted me to be a lawyer. Okay? Now, um, it, it just my point is they wanted me to be someone. No one ever wants their son to become a cockroach. All right? That was my point. Right? No one wants, hey, grow up and become a lint. You know, it's, it's not like that. You, you wanted them. Why would Jesus do this? Now, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm not going to tell you the greatest reason, you know, because if I'm really honest, it would be the Easter message. But I want to give you two reasons that are really associated with Christmas and the incarnation. Here's number one. It comes from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 17. 
The book of Hebrews says that Jesus was made like us, fully human in every way. Fully human in every way. 100% human being. That means, in verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tried and tested, he is able to help those who are being tried and tested. Now, what does that mean? Because he suffered, he is able to help those who are also suffering. Why? Why? Jesus Christ became a human being, and if that wasn't enough, then he suffered to the extreme. He died on a cross. Humiliation, torture, awful. But it means that he is the one person in the universe who can look at you and me when we're suffering and say, I know what it's like. He is the one person in the universe who can say, I've been there before. I know what you're going through. God became a human being, and if that wasn't enough, he suffered the worst kind of death on the cross, torn apart in every way, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And because the infinite God suffered, God, in the face of Jesus, has infinite power to comfort. So when you are hurting really bad, he knows what it feels like. Let me ask you, when you're hurting real bad, how would you like a really good friend to care for you? Or let me put it the other way. Let's say you're the really good friend trying to care for someone who's hurting really bad. You go to the hospital, the hospital visit. How many of you struggle with knowing what to say? How many of you just like, it's just an awkward place, you don't know what to say, right? Now, if you're like me, you struggle, but you wind up just, you know, your, 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 your mouth starts going and you start spitting out like words of encouragement and advice and you just, start, you just start going. If you're like me, I'm glad no one's like me. And some people have to learn the hard way. I, I once had a friend, uh, his name was Mitch. Some of you might remember him. He was going through a really hard time. And so I, I wanted to be a good friend to Mitch. And so I took him out to dinner. And after dinner, we're in the car, and I I gave him some words of feedback and advice. I thought he was pretty good. I thought my advice was pretty good. And I was about to drop him off. And right as I'm about to get out the car, Mitch turns to me and said, Andrew, I've learned something today. And I was like, good. (laughs) I'm glad I could help you, you know? And he said to me, I've learned that when someone is hurting really bad, what you should do is be quiet and really listen and try to empathize. And I was like, what? I didn't do any of that. Oh, that's what you're trying to say. (laughs) Now, isn't that how you all feel when you're going through hurt and you just want someone to listen and to really get it? You don't want them to be Bible answer man telling you all the things that you should know. You want someone who understands your pain. Doesn't just feel sorry for you, but really deeply empathizes. Like, I've been there. Like, if you're going through cancer, they know cancer. They know the loss of a loved one. They know how hard a certain career is. They know what it's like to have cantankerous in-laws. They know what it's like to have a best friend stab you in the back. I mean, people say that Christmas can be the loneliest season of all. 
and do you want someone that gets that loneliness? Why did God become a human being? Because by becoming a human being and by suffering the worst kind of suffering, Jesus can say to you, I get it. I get it. I understand I've been there before. I understand your pain. I know what you're going through. The incarnation is God's way of giving infinite comfort to all who are suffering. And so I want you all to remember when you're going through pain, Jesus is someone who can fully relate because he came down. Now, <clears throat> we've been asking, why would the second person of the Trinity become a human being? Why would he leave the comfort and the glory of heaven to become a human baby? And the first reason we're giving is to provide infinite comfort to all who suffer. But there's one more reason. There's more reasons than that, but I'm going to give you one more uh, and then close the message. Just one more reason. The Christmas story reveals another thing about the very nature of God. Why would a galaxy maker become a baby? Why would, in the words of, of Aladdin's genie, cosmic power confine himself into an itty-bitty living space? I think it has something to do with this. The very nature of God is self-giving love. The willingness of Jesus to give up his life on the cross is the same willingness he showed in coming down from heaven and becoming a human being. Jesus loved us so much that he gave us his very self. It wasn't enough to send a prophet. It wasn't enough to give us a book. It wasn't enough to give us teaching. Jesus loved us so much that he gave us his very self. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. The Greek word for dwelt literally means to pitch one's tent. I want you to imagine you're in Yosemite, you're looking up at the stars, you're beholding the galaxy maker, and that same God would come down and pitch his tent right next to yours. He loves us so much that he gave us his very best. He gave us himself. My brother... <clears throat> I'm going to see him in about a month, really excited about that. But did you know that he was dating Raina's best friend for about two years? And uh, her name is Michelle. And after about two years of dating, he loved her so much, he knew, he probably knew before then, but he knew she was the one for him. And so for a couple months, he's just planning out the engagement and proposal, getting the right ring for a couple months and just making these elaborate plans. And then he was like, you know, to, to, to Raina and myself, hey, can you guys help me with this? Okay. Because we were living in the duplex. Michelle was on the, the top level and Raina and I were living on the bottom. Okay. Can you kind of help me? And we're like, yeah, 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 of course, of course. Okay. So the big day comes and Michelle, they're having like a, uh, having a great date night with Dave and all that stuff. And then, you know, Dave's like, oh, I'm kind of tired. Can you drive me home? And so, so Michelle is driving David home, and, 
and she drives over the Bay Bridge because he lives in the city. Okay, they, good night. They, they, they dro- she, she drops him off, and, and that's it. So David's like, okay, good night. And then when she drives out of view, he like runs to his car, gets in his car, and like speeds back over the Bay Bridge to her apartment. Okay, and he's like, he wants to beat her. The point is to beat her and not let her see him driving. Okay, and so he's like driving, she's driving. Okay. Now during this time, Raina and I know it's about this time, and so so and so we're kind of we we get we get the little text, and so we we break into Michelle's apartment. Okay, not break in. I mean, we have the key. Okay, okay, we but we we sneak in, and we have this elaborate plan, this little map, and so we set up all these candles, right? And then we also put this big refrigerator box right in the, the, the kitchen, okay? Okay, everything's set. We run downstairs. We're like, we're like, okay. We get this call from David. David says, hey, Andy, I'm late. I'm not going to make it back in time. You got to stall her. Okay, so we're like, okay. Um, okay, we can do this. We can do this. So we're like all like trying to play it calm, and then and then we're just listening. And then Michelle parks in the back. Okay, she's home. We call her up. Michelle's so like, "Hello," and we're like, "Hey, Michelle, why don't you? Where are you? Oh, I just came home. Hey, why don't you come on over for a little bit? You know?" And so she comes on over. And we're just kind of talking, right? We're just like talking, stalling, right? Now I'm not kidding. In the middle of this, we're just talking, blah blah blah. But David, on the other side of the apartment, comes comes to her apartment. He also breaks in too. Okay, everyone has a key to Michelle's apartment, okay? And then he runs to the kitchen. But here's the thing. We're downstairs and we can hear all of that, okay? So, it, it, and I'm not kidding, it, it, it sounded like there's a herd of elephants going through your apartment, Michelle, right? So Michelle's like, oh, what's that? Right? And so, I, I, you know, we're like, wait, it's, it's not David, you know? It's like, no, I didn't say that. I'm like, um... And then I think this was a God thing, okay? I feel like, I think I was like, oh, you know, John the landlord, he came by because he needed to fix stuff. And we actually saw him. He's like, really? Really? Oh, yeah, 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 it's fine. Are you sure? No, no, totally, totally. It's John, it's John. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Maybe you should go upstairs and check. Okay. So she leaves. She walks up the stairs, opens the door. Candles everywhere. And in the middle of her kitchen is this big refrigerator box, big bow on it. So she walks up to the box, opens the box, and there's my brother. And later that night, my brother, in effect, says, I want to be with you for the rest of my life. Because when you really love someone, you will give them your very self. You want to be with them. Who is this God who made the galaxies and then is willing to come down and put himself in an animal feeding box? He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because when you really love someone, You give them your very self. You want to be with them. This is your God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. 
this season of marvel. Let's pray. Father God, we want to take time during this really busy season to do something that's most precious and most important which is take time to awe and wonder at your incarnation. That the galaxy maker would come down and make himself as a little baby. There is so much wonder in that. It is so amazingly filled with majesty, with glory, with love. We just want to claim this time to look at you with fresh eyes and to just go, wow. And so I pray that during this worship song and the communion that we will partake, help us to do it with the right heart. Maybe we've been distracted. Maybe we've been thinking about other things. Maybe we've been really busy. And now is our time to come to you and just to give you our heart. And even if we're empty inside and like, Lord, there's no awe, there's no wonder, then we can just take time and say, fill my heart. Fill me with wonder. Let me think about you as a little baby, the galaxy maker come down.